1: Sixteen stats versus film is here. First round of playoffs, you have advanced. Congratulations to all of you. We know it's because of this channel, the show Hayden Winks. There's no reason to sugarcoat it. We've helped a bunch of people this year. How are you feeling because
0: of it? Um, there's been some misses. <laughs> there's been some wins here, but uh, I feel like directionally we've been pretty good. Uh, yeah, the the couple things for this week going into it. Number one, most of the games are on Saturday. That means we get practice reports today's. If you have waiver wire decisions to make. Check out the injury report just before. Like, for example, Lamar Jackson didn't practice today. Make sure you have your eyes appeal to the injury report. Underdog NFL for news there. Second thing, major weather concerns. This is December, folks. The East Coast getting absolutely lit up. We have to pay attention to that. Rankings will still come out on Thursday. uh, But we have a little bit more information on Tuesday than we otherwise would have taken advantage.
1: There's some really small totals here this weekend. I think what about seven or eight games are in the 30 range, Uh, a bunch of others in the mid forties. So it's not quite the sweet spot we've hit for fantasy football for the rest of the season. Uh, We are going to keep our content going this week, somewhat in different places. You can see no brick wall behind me instead just some Aston Villa pictures. So we appreciate you. I don't know, sticking with some of the changes as we, as we approach this week. Um,
0: and also, best ball mania three, we have advancements. All have the data, yes. Keep everyone sticking with that. Obviously, Jalen Hurts, I think, had like a 34% advance rate coming into this. Obviously, balled out last week. His advance rate is going to be massive, it might be like 50% of the team, or something like that. And it seems like he's not going to play. So, there's gonna be a lot of tweaks with how you have it. If you snuck a team in there to best ball mania three, you should be happy for it. it could get chaotic as it always does.
1: Okay, the rest of the week. We're still going to try to do rankings. We're still going to try to do an Our Guys show as well on Fridays. I will not be here. For, will I be here for that? I will be here for that. No, I will not. I will not be here for that. Hayden will be here with a guest. But then um, next week, again, we'll do an instant reaction show as well. Okay. This is also a show because I drove about 12 hours yesterday down from Brooklyn to North Carolina that uh, I will say the least. So it might be our best episode of the season. Let's I kick know. it off with the, <laughs> everyone's been clamoring for last. Josh. Yeah. The Atlanta Falcons. So a lot to start with before we get the Arizona cars, I want to throw on the Falcons first because it's a new quarterback and it's also a player in like Tyler Algier who has emerged in these final three or four weeks of the season. I know you went back and watched the coach's copy of this one. Why don't we start with the passing game first? What did you like or and dislike of Desmond Ritter and his debut?
0: So I posted a thread of this on to Twitter and it was kind of exactly what I was expecting after your breakdown from it on Sunday he was processing a little slower than I was hoping for, given that's what his strength was in college. There was a couple times where he was stepping into pressure instead of getting the ball out onto time. There was a couple throws I thought that were left a little bit high and not on target, which is definitely something that was happening. I'm not sure if I see much of a ceiling here. Definitely not as a rookie. They're going to have to make some decisions here. Uh, Drake London and Desmond Ritter were not on the same page the entire time. I know Desmond Ritter kept throwing the ball to drake london he had a, a up and down game himself um i'm not sure the pass protection i thought was pretty good so i thought there was room for desmond ritter to have a pretty good game here but just didn't pull through so i don't see this falcons offense being better than it was with marcus Mariota. i think that they're gonna have to hit the explosive plays on the ground that starts with tyler algier and CPAT. one more thing in the passing game
1: i do believe it's even though Ritter and London didn't have their best games, a lot of rookie moments between them. There is a volume play here because we have seen Drake London again in this scattershot high variance offense that, you know, lacks maybe more passing consistency than any other team across the league other than maybe the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, when he gets eight targets, I know that's like this weird number. I keep pointing out he's done very well this year, you know, yep. and I'm not saying in your fantasy football semifinals, you want to count on, I don't know, seven for 70 yards from Drake London, but it's so clear that without Cal Pitts, like they have to get this done. And as you can see with a lot of these receptions, so much of it is this deep play action game from Desmond Ritter under center or out out of shotgun and then crossing routes over the middle of the field, because that's where he's most comfortable. And that's where Drake London, you know, did a ton of his work at USC did a ton of his work so far this season with higher lowers with, uh, High-low concepts with with Kyle Pitts, so I, I I do believe we can get to that like seven reception or six reception threshold for Drake London every single week, even with some of the negatives we can talk about with the athletic with the aesthetics or or moments of his game. I
0: guess Drake London, the wide receiver, twenty-one and expected half PPR points over the last month, seventeen point two and thirteen point six in the last two weeks without Kyle Pitts. I don't think that's a coincidence. I think that's a trend. He's a positive regression candidate. To some degree, I don't expect like a bunch of high efficiency from this offense. Uh, Tyler Algier had to post by rookie bump, and it did come to fruition here. Caleb Hunley, I think Terrace his Achilles. He was actually mixing in a little bit over the last uh, month of the season. Tyler Algier, 11.5 expected half PPR points last week. Typically, that's been about at six and a half points with CPAT. The first play of the game, they had both on the field. CPAT ran this go ball down the sideline, goes incomplete. Uh CPAT does find the find the box for a touchdown here. Uh CPAT 10.4 expected half you points coming from injury. So CPAT, Tyler Algier, I think they're both ranked pretty close to each other. Unfortunately, just because I don't think the Falcons are going to score that many points, probably close to like RB 27, somewhere in that ballpark, nothing beyond that. But it was good to see Tyler Algier had that one big play kind of shed it off to Mario Davis. Um, and had a couple good cutbacks. Like that's what the Falcons offense wants to look like. That last player right there, right outside zone, cut it back. CPAT was excellent at it last year. That's where they're trying to get Tyler Algier to be.
1: Can you repeat the expected fantasy points for Cordero Patterson and Tyler Algier? Because again, just from a carry standpoint, Algier had 17, mm-hmm. CPAT had 14. But from a yards production angle on the ground, it was 139 for the rookie compared to 52 for CPAT.
0: Yeah. So CPAT, uh, since he's returned. Maybe that dips a little bit because Tyler Algier gets back uh, a little bit higher. Algier 11.5 last week. So I think they're going to settle in about 10, 11 uh, expected half PPR points. They have been running pretty hot just in general, because the the Falcons run game has been pretty efficient all year. Um, But you will never be surprised if the rookie starts getting snaps over the 31 year old uh, with the Falcons eliminated from the playoffs. And
1: if we remember CPAT, despite his awesome season last year, was basically unused towards the end of the season. Definitely tailed off. Just a couple things. Tyler Algier had three runs in this game of 10-plus yards. He only had 10 the the rest of the season combined. I mean, how you break DeMario Davis in the open field when it was right at the first down marker – I kept asking in the instant reaction, and I think it's fair. Like, where is that one skill set that you can point to? Like, oh, this is Tyler Algier's identity. And in this game, I think it was his forced missed tackles. You know, he had six in this game. His other career high for a single game was seven. Some games it's been one or two. Now, just like condensing it from whatever the three back committee we've seen this season from Caleb Humphrey down to down to Tyler Algier and, and Cordero Patterson is is a is a win. And I also want to bring up and maybe this is just eye tests and potentially rewriting history and the stats might not back this up, but it felt like a lot of the Marcus Mariota runs for running backs and just out of the backfield was a lot of RPOs, a lot of mesh, a lot of handoffs and reading ends that didn't seem to be a part of the running game here this week. And it was more just like design tosses or stretches or inside zone slash duo, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, And I think that benefits at times the running back because they actually know like the point we have to get to and then when to cut off of.
0: Yeah, I didn't see too much Desmond Ritter designed. Exactly. I know he's an athletic quarterback, but it's definitely a teardrop from Which is different
1: than what Marcus was. 100%. All right. Arizona Cardinals up next. I mean, I didn't want to start here. Hopefully you all don't blame me, even though I broke alphabetical order. Uh, It feels like the Broncos took away the quick game early on because they knew what like Colt McCoy's quote-unquote strengths were. And then they wrecked the offensive line with some, you know, pieces that they've gotten back healthy. So Colt had no chance. And then, you know, once the backup to to the backup comes in uh this offense has no chance in general did want to bring up just from a usage standpoint this is the second straight week that hollywood brown is like a pure slot receiver greg dorch has returned to the lineup but he despite you know having productive weeks when rondell moore was missing earlier this season is not being viewed as that rondell moore replacement in the slot and they are much more likely to ride in three wide receiver sets which with aj green on the right side
0: Totally agree there. Marquise uh, Marquise Brown, 10.9, expected happy over points since his return. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins, 11.3. So pretty much identical usage when it comes to uh, fantasy usage between DeAndre and Marquise Brown. Uh, DeAndre's been more efficient with that. That's probably just noise in general. But I'm with you. I think there's a pretty big drop from Colt McCoy to Trace McSorley here. So we'll see if Colt McCoy clears the concussion protocol. Most of these players do not in the first week back. That would be a pretty big drop in production for all these players uh last note here uh james Conner in the five games since being the the unquestioned bell cow, 16.5 expected half a few points he's the rb3 on rb6 usage over the last month nobody will tell you that uh everyone hates on him he's still out there doing his thing so he'll be st- uh, still a top 10 running back for me even with the quarterback downgrade but i do want to stress mccoy to mcsorley i think is a pretty big deal
1: yeah. And then it's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers this weekend who in that first and really throughout the whole game, because I would say their offense let down the defense in the second half with short fields. That Bucs defense, especially how they can scheme up pressures and how they did it with Avante David this past weekend, have been doing it for a very long time under Todd Bowles, could give Trace McSorley slash Colt McCoy a lot of issues. So I think it's very arguable if even DeAndre Hopkins and, and Marquise Brown should be in the conversation for you as we approach the fancy football semifinals.
0: Yeah. Flex wide receiver three in that range. That starts.
1: And I forgot to mention this. Congratulations to all of you that advanced to the next round of best ball mania three. I love, love seeing your best lineups ask for them early on, especially because about 82% of them include <laughs> Zay Jones. It's freaking awesome. We also have, you know, the puppies we have, uh, super flex as well. Tournaments there's everything. and, It's so cool to see, you know, this game on underdog and best ball and this version of it build more and more every single year. And almost all of them come with a caveat of Hayden that I get of, hey, I just dipped my toe in this year. I'm going knee deep next year. And I just love to hear that with so many best ball teams, because once you start playing, you can't stop playing, I think.
0: I saw that reply. It wasn't knee deep for well. the record. It was something else. But we got to keep this show uh alive <laughs> on the next year.
1: Uh, Baltimore Ravens are up next. So we get another week of J.K. Dobbins. And again, I mentioned this on the instant reaction show. There was a lot of focus on basically being unable to lift that leg on runs he can, you know, stride out and go for long, but on you know the 3 to 12 to 15-yard gains, I think he's actually doing a lot of positive stuff in terms of finding the right lane, the vision, and the jump cuts to maximize it as well.
0: Yeah, he's one of the biggest uh, negative regression candidates among running backs. Uh, he's been the RB12 this month, uh, in his last two games, on RB38 usage. He's ripped off some big plays. Now, this running game usually is very efficient. They kind of perform above expectations, but it's not a surprise to see him with RB 38 usage. He's not going to catch that many passes. I think the big news here um, is Lamar Jackson's health that PCL injury. I know there were some like kind of optimistic reports early on. I wasn't really buying them. He needs that uh, leg. We saw Zeke struggle with it. We saw Dalton Schultz miss some time with a very similar injury. Lamar Jackson did not practice today. I do not think he's going to play the uh, Ravens really don't have anything to play for. They're like 97% chance of making the playoffs regardless I think this will be back to Tyler Huntley and the past catchers really have not gotten anything going uh Mark Andrews with Lamar oh. Jackson 12.7 expected half PPR points with everybody else that drops to eight so so much for those last year's splits I think that he's still a top 10 tight end um but he's running really bad right now and I think that's just because the Ravens offense is pretty limited
1: 13 carries for 125 yards this past weekend for J.K. Dobbins, 15 for 120 the week before. So, yes, I mean, he's averaging 9.6 and 8 yards a carry, has runs of 37 and 44. It's easy to point to the ones that you're seeing on film right now and be like, dang, wish you could reel off those. But I think that's fair. And, again, it's also fair like these early ones where, boom, press the side, hop left, press this side, one step, get upfield. And it's only, you know, a six-yard gain. But that's good shit. That's good That is really good stuff. I keep going
0: back to his his press conference after. He said that specifically he wants to get his long speed back. He wasn't talking about his agility or anything like that. That's the next step here. You have all offseason to figure that stuff out. So I think he'll be one of the most debated players in best ball mania for. I know we got to get there first, though.
1: We do have to get there. Let's get through the show. Buffalo Bills are next. I actually wanted to ask for you. Since the tight end position has been such a whirlwind this year, to put it nicely. We got a huge Dawson Knox game when not really many people were expecting it. So is there a reason to you why this worked? Because again, my very basic thought process is on 51 dropbacks, he ran 40 routes, just three pass pro reps. When other points this season, he's like too good at other aspects of the game in terms of being that six blocker at times where they kept him in and also in a game when they knew they needed kind of an extra little lever to pull as we've seen with them, you know, bringing in John Brown and Cole Beasley over the last few weeks too.
0: I think McKenzie still played most of the snaps. Those other names barely got in there. Um, so I think the Dawson Knox thing, I think it's just noise slash variance. I hate to be that guy, but he's always been on the field this entire season. We knew that this offense is so good that he will have paths to monster games. It had just been so long since we've actually seen them. So we actually caught some positive variance uh, in this format. He's at eight uh half PPR points uh on the season, which is about tight end twelve. Like I I don't want to call him all of a sudden tight end sixth for this week. Um, but when you have some skills and some athleticism in particular for Dawson Knox and you're attached to Josh Allen, you have passed to breaking some slates. So that's why I was on him early in the season. It hasn't gone completely smooth, but you see some flashes with this. Um I, I'm not sure if this is any there's a trend here. I just think that he always has this in his range of outcomes and it's good to see it. Uh, It's going to make the
1: pitch easier for us to fall in love once again this offseason as well when he posts a game like this, Hayden. I will say I I love this pass specifically from Josh Allen. You have these deep dropbacks and these over routes on top of the linebackers in front of the safeties. It feels like this type of stuff should be there every single week for the Buffalo Bills and Dawson Knox. And as you said, it just like has not happened. And then this is almost a very similar one. But instead of taking it over the middle, it's to the out. And he's under duress. Like, that was a big thing that stood out to me when rewatching this game and thinking back on it was, like, the Dolphins' defense did not play that bad. They just mm-hmm. ran into a superhuman in Josh Allen. Like, Jalen Phillips had an outstanding game. He did. He's really emerging, you know, in his young career right now, hitting his best football. Yet, when you have someone, despite you instantly beating the offensive tackle, who has, has this insane peripheral vision and athleticism to instantly match it, uh, it's tough to get a quarterback like that down and create negative
0: plays. Uh, running backs, um, the last three games kind of when Naeem Hines and, and James Cook have been mixing in, Devin Singletary 9.5 expected happy points, James Cook at 9. It's it's hard to trust any of them. They're all outside of top 35 in running back usage. And then uh Gabe Davis uh, is kind of the same t- type of talk with Dawson Knox. Um, I know we paid a higher price tag on Gabe Davis, but... You can go this entire season and be uh, the wide receiver 38. And then he has two weeks where he's the wide receiver two, And then all of a sudden we're back to where we were in the off season. So um, like, and then last note, Isaiah McKenzie, 65% routes, even with Cole Beasley active, maybe that ramps up. Um, but I think they just needed some depth because of some other uh, like back end of the depth chart, wide receiver injuries.
1: I think it's a Gabe Davis week. Chicago Bears I know you hate this thought process I'm going to keep throwing it out there really bad secondaries has a more likelihood higher likelihood of Gabriel Davis having a good week and this isn't a team in the bills that is probably just going to run it you know 37 times out of the backfield even though that's what a lot of teams have attacked the Bears as and so I think Gabriel Davis is going to be good for one of those chunk gains this week
0: yeah I learned my lesson last week the Bears defense right now is so bad against the run and the pass that you can choose either way, (laughs) whatever fits your offense best. Which is passing for them. Of course. And the, the the bills run game, I still think is very hit and miss. Yeah. Carolina
1: Panthers up next. I actually did not get to watch this game. Uh, It again, though, feels like that this Panthers team it's so easy to know what they want to do on a weekly basis in terms of asserting their will and winning on the ground. But when you go what down 10 or 14 points, that's so much more difficult to do. And it's also just an easy game plan to understand and predict for the opposition, you know?
0: Yeah, totally. John DeForman got in there early, got completely brick walled. And that led to Chuba Hubbard playing 63% of the snaps uh, because they're playing from behind. So that's basically what we have to do every single week. Are the Panthers going to be playing from a lead? If so, Deontay Foreman's got a chance. If not, he has no chance. And then DJ Moore, uh, he's averaging 10.0, expected half PPR points since the CMC trade. Um, They've been winning more games than you would expect, so maybe that the true mean is a little bit higher than that, but he's the wide receiver 34 in usage. I think at best you can call him a wide receiver three and hope that he can get there. That touchdown that he had was pretty sweet in the corner of the end zone here, but uh, when the Panthers are so run heavy, it's really hard to get too excited. Actually, against the Detroit
1: Lions... This weekend, we know a team that can put up a lot of points on their own and actually a team that's done a really good job of capping ceilings against opposing running backs, despite maybe it's just better coaching and and better play among these people. But I think this is another really good test for them to continue on this path for hopefully, you know, a Lions playoff berth as we go along for them. All right. After that, Chicago Bears. So (sighs) Justin Fields is amazing. I mean, that what? 67 yard run or whatever it was to avoid multiple tackles and stuff however there's like still one thing for for him to flick and change heading into next year is like these third down sacks on either like third and 12 or third and 22 just don't take them you know Mm -hmm. like I understand you're trying to make plays and even that long run he had he did the exact same thing of shrugging off a sack and then running away from it but I I really think that is the next progression in in his game. And it might take some fun plays away, but it'll take some hugely negative uh, losses as well.
0: Yeah, it'll keep him alive a little bit longer. I think one part of that unquestionably is getting him some legit wide receivers. What's funny about here is I have thresholds for each position on how many players I'm going to list each week. Right now, the Bears only have one running back, one tight end, and one wide receiver. And one of the wide receivers was Chase Claypool, who didn't even play last week. This offense is all Justin Fields scrambling. And then David Montgomery, the news here, uh, David Montgomery, uh, 14 expected half-fewerder points since Khalil Herbert's injury. Uh, He's had 10.9 with Khalil Herbert. Khalil Herbert is due to return this week with the Bears um, completely knocked out of the playoffs. And David Montgomery being a free agent next year, do we see Khalil Herbert mix in a little bit more to see if they believe that he could be the guy, the number one running back Mm. next year. So maybe there's a little bit more downside risk with david montgomery i have been higher on david montgomery in the past this could be a week where i get a little bit less uh, optimistic just because khalil herbert is back and i think that there's they have every incentive to see what they have in the youngster rather than the veteran that's going to be hitting free agency
1: and if we can rewind to early stats versus film episodes it was two david montgomery series to one khalil herbert series it'll be interesting it. to see if that happens once again to end the season too yep Cincinnati Bengals bingles up next Again, there weren't that many plays that weren't that many yards to distribute to everyone, even though, you know, all three of their top pass catchers had touchdowns in this game. And it's because of, as we talked about in instant reactions with Daigle, Lou on defense that totally shifted how they play football from the first half to the second half, where it was more, you know, let's drop players even to drop eight situations and stop Tom Brady, who was taking advantage of those intermediate, even downfield throws like he wasn't in the, uh, first 13 14 weeks of the season and that again gave them short fields and short
0: yards what'd you see i mean just to hit on the defense and that's without their cb1 their edge one and another edge rusher um so that's just they're better man they're so much better than they were last year it's a very good team very dangerous team. i think they are sixth in super bowl odds right now and i think there's a teardrop after that uh rightfully so um let's start with the running backs real quick uh Joe Mixon uh, jumped back up to 18.7 expected half PVR points, played six 64% of the snaps. Samaji P Ryan still is getting a lot of the passing situations, rightfully so he's been so good this year, but there still is multi touchdown upside in this offense for Joe Mixon. I do think that he's going to get most of the goal line touches. Uh, T Higgins. I was just looking at it. What is production on and off with Jamar chase was Uh only 10.8 expected happy bar points with Jamar Chase this season. Now he's been so dominant on those and we can't expect him to be an above average player and dunk on my model. Um, but 10.8 versus Jamar Chase is 16.3. I think is a larger split than we have seen at least last year. So Tegan's more of a boom bust wide receiver too. I think I was kind of flirting with him to be a top 10 wide receiver at times. I'm not sure if he's going to get the same usage because Jamar Chase is playing so well.
1: Yeah, Uh, Tony Romo kept pointing this play out. It was, you know, just dual routes between Jamar Chase and T. Higgins, who you see motion across the formation here, the only two routes on the field. And it was just, hey, whichever wide receiver is faster, throw it to him. And you can kind of just see T. Higgins, you know, turn the corner. Three players basically run with Jamar Chase until they realize they have to turn back around to T. Higgins, and that was a short-range touchdown to him.
0: Burrow's playing well.
1: Oh, man. Very well. So, well, all right, next up after the Bengals, it is the Cleveland Browns. Uh, What's your take here on the Cleveland Browns? You know, a a team that I'm not saying has changed their offense per se, but we always talk about it heading into weeks and an instant reaction show. When there is a quarterback change, things naturally shift despite the play color being the same because each quarterback does things differently. And Jacob Brissett, as we've said, let's repeat it was playing very well, at least Uh, in comparison to his expectations and Deshaun is still getting a feel for things and so I think Kevin Stefanski is trying to lean into what Deshaun is feeling most comfortable with at the moment
0: I think it's a fair assessment I do think there's some underlying injuries that's kind of plaguing the Browns right now first of all with Amari Cooper um, his expected half PPR points with the quarterback change has dropped by 1.2 but at the same time he's been dealing with this uh injury he is a positive regression candidate there is going to be some weather concerns in cleveland this week so something to keep an eye out on uh nick chubb i think he's the one that's kind of been the most puzzling to kind of figure out here he popped up on the injury report he's i think he's going to be truly questionable to play the the browns um season's basically over at this point but we're kind of debating these splits on like what's happening why is he not being as efficient is it noise is there a reason like the the uh something with Deshaun Watson there is one thing I did find without that center Ethan Postage who's was the backup I think they're on their third or fourth string center at this point uh Nick Chubb's yards before contact has dropped from 1.7 down to 0.9 after that injury I think that could explain some of it. it might be harder to rip off the big plays if you are making contact initially maybe it's this foot injury that we weren't aware of as well uh Bottom line, I think that this offense is pretty limited for the most part, but shout-out to David Njoku keeping these late-round tight end teams alive. He's at the tight end, two in usage over the last month, uh, averaging 8.4 expected... Or he has at least, not averaging, at least 8.4 expected half-year points in nine straight healthy games. That is one of the most impressive stats that you hear on this entire podcast.
1: So, Daigle and I had, like, a really good discussion you chimed into on the Instant Reaction Show about Nick Chubb and kind of just, like, theorizing of why this decline could have happened. Um, I actually think it's almost something you have to dive into this offseason, especially since the Browns aren't going anywhere, because, you know, you started off as a top three or four running back in, in fantasy football, and it's just falling off a cliff. Uh, some awesome listeners pointed uh, this account, Jake Burns, who I think this game was or this suite was before the last game. And he's basically saying you can't nail it down to one thing, not just the shotgun runs with Deshaun Watson, where the under center stuff with Jacoby Brissett was doing so well. It's not just the Ethan postage playing. It's just everything, you know, wrapped in together. But this line really stood out to me in the last suite from Jake with Watson. They're probably going to go through a complete run scheme change in the coming year. That'll be where things get interesting. So this team though has, you know, Spent so much of their money in previous years before the redacted quarterback came back to the offensive line to both Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt that that was their identity. So I do think, again, this is a team that will go through an identity change from that because you've invested so much in the quarterback. So, again, it's just a really intriguing storyline for to watch and progression to watch, too
0: cream hunt a free agent next year too so we're going to have to debate how much third down usage nick chubb's going to get so it'll be one of the most interesting teams. i think we're going to probably investigate every little split oh, and yeah. then ultimately we probably throw out, out most of them once we get to the offseason
1: and in previous weeks we talked about donovan people's jones like i wouldn't be surprised if they bring in someone else as a pass catcher this season to go along with amari and david and joku but i'm with i I really think there's something to work with the Donovan Peoples-Jones, especially considering he was a sixth or sixth round rookie or second year player, third year player, and uh, he's
0: probably going to hit a thousand yards this season. Like that's really good stuff. Donovan Peoples-Jones, his average expected half year points is up one versus Jacoby Brissett with Sean Watson, so that's uh, something to note. Dallas Cowboys, uh, we know that they lost to the Jacksonville Jaguars.
1: Typically, when you see a comeback like that from the other team in the Jaguars, you think like, man, maybe Dak Prescott didn't have his best game or played a bad half. I went back and watched it, man. I thought Dak played really well. You know, yes, he did. like That early completion to CeeDee Lamb with levels on the right side. He avoided a free rusher on the right. He escaped and found him along the right sideline. It was a dagger. I think that one was to Noah Brown. And then he immediately hit Dalton Schultz on that trips to the right side where Schultz, you know, flared out. He saw it was a dropping Josh Allen underneath him who was covering him. So Schultz then changes his route and works towards the front pylon. And it was a perfectly lofted ball over a defensive end. That's not going to, you know, play the ball very well. The other interesting note to me was Tyron Smith, his return they actually played him at right tackle did you notice that they kept tyler smith at left tackle and they kind of rotated a little bit of jason peters with tyron smith but i think tyron still played over 50 snaps in this game so whereas i thought he'd just immediately go back to the left side nope they're keeping the rookie tyler smith there
0: yeah, Tyler Smith doesn't have any experience on the right tackle. At least Tyron Smith previously has played that position. So they didn't want to ruin a rookie uh, midseason. So that's why they did that. I'm with you. Dak Prescott think, played pretty well. Obviously, Noah Brown uh, botched it and that led to the pick six. He did have one bad throw, but he drops back a bunch in this game in a close game. Um, so it's, you're going to have some mistakes with Dak Prescott. It is funny. I was watching ESPN. I rarely watch ESPN. Oh, I was at my parents' house. And there was like four shows in a row. It is hilarious to see how little that these people pay attention, and they're the entire every show is like leading with what's wrong with Dak Prescott, despite him having one of the best completion percentage over expected games of like the next gen stats era. So I'm with you. There's nothing to see here. They're a very good team. I just do want to mention. I don't think Dalton Schultz is going to make all that much money in free agency. I don't think he's that great. And same thing with Michael Gallup. He hasn't been playing well. Noah Brown's not playing well. Like Mm. team from the deals. Well, I think that we overrate how good this uh skill group is for dak prescott is kind of my point here obviously the running backs are really good but when he's dropping back to pass cd lamb's a one i don't think he's an elite number one yeah and the rest of the depth i don't think is that good they're very productive i think that we overrate how good they actually are on film
1: well and you know tony pollard free agent as well like this is going to be a weird roster to see how they manage it heading into next year uh as much as we question you know Dalton Schultz's individual talent, individual skill set, and how it might not work on other teams and just in a vacuum looking at it, I think he and Dak play so well together. Like, they're on such the same page in the timing of it all, and they yeah. read each other with the leverage and everything that I really bet that Dak wants him to return on the to the transition tag or the franchise tag, one of those two
0: this year. Well, they did draft those two uh, tight know. ends, and they have been playing kind of well. I and know. Dak, Dak Prescott's cap hit goes from like, I, don't quote me on this, it's like from $20 million to like $50 million next year. It's like the first time we actually see the Dak Prescott contract hit the books. Uh, so they're going to have to make a, lo- a lot of changes. But um, I just want to say that the people that are criticizing Dak Prescott <laughs> too much are not watching the actual games. It's ridiculous.
1: Go and watch the episode of Scheme. It's like a really long one, 50 minutes, because there's a lot of good Dak Prescott stuff that he does. Uh, go
0: and watch it. That's the uh, last thing I'll say. La- just because the, that was not really a fantasy discussion. Uh, Zeke, <laughs> Zeke Elliott, 14.9 uh, expected happy air points since Dak Prescott's return. Tony Pollard at 14. Uh, those are with the games of where they played with one another. Both of them are like RB1-2s. Like, I'm not sure if we can get the bank on like the Tony Pollard being the top five running back because Zeke Elliott's getting the rock a lot and quietly playing pretty well. Hayden said he wanted this episode to be an
1: hour and 15 minutes and we're still in the Ds here. <laughs> Denver Broncos. Anything you want to say about this team Only I mean, Latavius Murray is like the volume sponge at this moment. And then Jerry Judy is what he is at this moment. And then it sounds like Russell Wilson is going to be cleared for this week.
0: Yeah, Russell Wilson will be back. Jerry Judy's a big negative regression candidate because of that three touchdown game. He's a wide receiver 37 in usage over the last month. I think he's like a wide receiver three uh flex play we'll see if Cortland sudden with that hamstring injury comes back uh great Dulcich just getting out there 20 to 33 routes last week but just not getting the damn rock and then yeah latavius murray pops off when you are basically a full-time player you have right. access to 100 yards but things really have to go right and they really did last week uh M- marlon Mack got out there uh zigbo like, like is the other yeah one. and it's like yeah they're not actually mixing in all that much. It was just kind of crazy. Uh, Latavius, I think only played like 20 snaps last week and he balled out. So I wouldn't chase it. He's the Latavius is the RB 31 in usage over the last month. Interesting. But over the last,
1: what, five games for Latavius Murray, it's 17, 13, 17, then eight carries and, a, you know, big loss, to the Kansas city chiefs and then 24 this past weekend. So like, but I don't want to just like throw that number away because any running back, that is getting 24 carries. That's a big freaking deal. And guess who they play this week? They play the Los Angeles Rams this week, a team that Mm -hmm. just got run over by A.J. Dillon and the Green Bay Packers. So this, I think, does make Latavius Murray relevant here
0: in week 16. He'll be in the RB20s for me because of the matchup. Uh, Yeah, a lot of those carries just happen to be on the 48-yard line because of offense, and that's where it gets a little noisy.
1: Detroit Lions. So I wanted to bring up, and I'll pull it over here, Jared Goff's passing chart, because I don't think he completed a single pass beyond 10 yards down the field, which is very different than who Jared Goff has been this season. I think that's a big credit to the New York Jets and how well they played defensively. But again, despite not being able to create those and hit those chunk plays, even the one to Jameson Williams, which is open down the field, long throw, 50 yards, but should have been a long touchdown. uh, Ben Johnson still had some, two or three or four plays that made the difference in terms of scheming it up. And we can expect that now, I think, each and every week.
0: Yeah, I haven't watched this game, or the lion side of the ball. Um, so I'm just going to rip off some stats here. Since DeAndre Swift came back from injuries, he's had 12.7 expected half PPR points. Jamal Williams at 12.1. That puts them both on the RB2 kind of radar here. Jamal Williams needs the touchdown. DeAndre Swift needs the big plays. They're still using Justin Jackson. Amon Ross, St. Brown. We know that we're starting him no matter what here. So yeah, that's a pretty cool chart that you pulled up. Um, I'm sure that they're playing a lot of cover three and getting some pressure on Jared Goff. And he is checking the ball down, which is, I don't think is necessarily a bad thing in this offense, just because a lot of their talent is underneath underneath with Amon Raw and DeAndre Swift. Um, last note, DJ Chark, 32 of 38 routes in week 15, uh, Jameson's still barely mixing in, getting his legs back from underneath them. Maybe they get Jameson Williams in a little bit more now that their playoff hopes are legit. I think it's like 42% for the Lions. They'll get them in there. They're too fun of a team to watch, Um, but he's very boom busted. I still think that he's a flex, especially in like standard leagues.
1: If you've enjoyed this episode, if you've enjoyed this show all season long, tell one friend, you know, if you get bounced from the tournament, I know a lot of you, Use this channel as your secret weapon. We get these comments all the time. Be like, I don't want to tell anyone about the Underdog Football Show channel, Underdog Fantasy. Well, as soon as you get bounced, make a mental note and be like, okay, now I'm going to text this to my friend group, you know, my group chat. I, I
0: got a better idea, Josh. Okay. Don't tell them about our channel. Tell them that you can actually <laughs> join 2023 Fantasy Football Drafts for cash Okay, right now. Just don't tell them about the channel, just at least no. tell them about the app.
1: I mean, Hayden, as a guy that wants the channel to grow, I think the more people should join, you are not gonna do it. All right, well, tell them, put it in your group chat, send They'll them listen. the link. Green Bay Packers. So, when this game was going on, I was probably like right on the Virginia North Carolina border. Um, AJ Dillon, two touchdowns, also in the concussion protocol, or clear, was it. clear. It. It. That's great. That's great. I Had this crazy number, and I forgot who tweeted it out, but A.J. Dillon, career for fantasy points per game, September 5.4, October 6.1, November 12.7, and December 13.9. The guy just transforms like Beast Wars into a rhinoceros in December, Hayden. It's
0: hard to tackle that much meat in December. That's just all all it is for A.J. Dillon. 14.3 expected happy per points was the most since he's had since week one but at the same time aaron jones he has a season high 19.6 expected half ppr points they both just got home because their game plan was to run it on the rams and the rams posed basically no threat on offense to return so yeah there's probably a little like derrick Hen- henry december type sl- splits coming on with ag dylan because of weather um but i'm having trouble like really chasing this like maybe he's more of an rb3 than he was prior where he was like really ranked low maybe you can get back there um i think the debate really is what do we do with the wide receivers i know christian watson got a some inside the 10 or end zone
1: targets as well just like didn't see the football in a few of them it finally came crashing back to earth for them but wow that might be viewed as a negative because he didn't score a touchdown out there for everyone i view this as a positive from finally getting to see the post by rookie versions of Romeo Dobbs, Christian Watson, and Al Nazar together. What stood out to me when looking just at the snap counts, um, it was just 23 snaps, though, for Romeo Dobbs. I mean, he even had seven fewer snaps played than Randall Cobb. So yeah. we're not getting full Romeo Dobbs usage despite him, you know, popping up here on the box score.
0: Yeah, it's, I don't think you can play and they want Randall Cobb and three wide receivers set. So uh, Romeo has got to play better than Christian Watson, and Alan Zard on the perimeter to get his snaps up. I'm not sure if they're going to do that. Uh, right, And, Chris-
1: and to, to your point, because we kind of talked about this heading into last week, we thought that potentially Alan Zard would shift into the slot and that did not happen. He played like 40 really. something snaps as an outside wide receiver.
0: Yep, Christian Watson still had 11.8 expected half PPR points uh last week. Um he's had 11.2. Uh the difference here is he didn't have 14 long touchdowns.
1: Did you get that Beast Wars reference? No. No. Chat let him know. Comments and afterwards let him know what Beast Wars is. All right, Houston Texans. Nothing to say much on the Houston Texans front. Um as much as we like point to hey the running backs might get opportunities especially in the passing game because they're losing by so much I think it's all irrelevant when you have like guys with overlapping skill sets in a way with Ogun Bawale, Royce Freeman who used to catch passes too and Rex Burkhead that it's almost impossible to know and funnel it towards one player who is the only one typically in the backfield that has that skill set if that line of thinking made sense at all
0: yeah, so I'll, I'll put this in the blueprint for you guys to look at that running backs chart. But what happened is they tried to make Daria Goombawali the early down back. Oh. Uh, and then they pivoted. In the second half, Royce Freeman became the early down back. And then Rex Burkhead and Daria Goombawali were playing some of the passing down backs. Uh, there's three backs in this backfield. Do you want to start a running back uh, on the Houston Texans? I <laughs> really don't. So uh, really just all eyes on Nico Collins if he's going to make his return if he doesn't i don't think brandon cooks will uh chris moore 14.3 10.9 expected happy points as full-time players uh philip Dorsett is still out there but he's running the most cardio that we've ever seen a player run chris moore is their number one option i would argue probably the only option uh though jordan akins at the tight end he's the tight end 11 on tight end 10 usage over the last month which is nuts but he's only uh he only played 22 of 37 routes last week so uh, it's on you if you're playing any Texans.
1: It is on you, especially this week when they're playing the Tennessee Titans. Uh a run defense that might not be the best in the league anymore, but one that should shut down the Houston Texans Chris Moore season rushing off.
0: Oh, I, I gotta say, one one just film-based note. Jeff oh, Driscoll, good. uh, they're trying with the 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 zone read and all that stuff. He is not fast enough, period.
1: Got it. Good one. Everyone was waiting for.
0: Well, we were saying Jeff Driscoll is could be frisky, I don't That's think. That's
1: true. No, you know what? He had tight eligibility and so on and so forth. And now those teams that tried to circumvent the rules on Yahoo are probably out of the playoffs. So, she just started Dawson Knox. Indianapolis Colts. So, Matt Ryan dropped back in this game when they scored 36 points, just 33 times. Since then, Jonathan Taylor is going on injured reserve. Um, so, the rest of the way, we have seen it. With Deion Jackson so far this season, in that one game that he surprisingly started, it was a lot of checkdowns, and that was a lot of his production. Did have 15, 13 carries this past week and 55 yards, but it seems like at the trade deadline, after trading away Naeem Hines and getting Zach Moss, Zach Moss is the one they are pivoting to for whatever rushing success they're going to have.
0: Yeah, JT's out for this season that you just never get through that ankle injury. And I was just kind of like reflecting on this. It was funny how we spent all yeah. offseason, the 101, where Jonathan Taylor's, uh, He's healthy. Christian McCaffrey never, never can stay healthy. And then obviously it flip-flops this year for the most part, unless a player is actually coming off of a long-term injury, just pick the player that you think has the highest chance of winning your league. And yeah. I thought that was always Christian McCaffrey. And
1: I understand you said we, that was a collective we. That was not a right. me and you were saying this because you and I would right. never have that type of discourse of la- labeling a guy injury right. prone. And the reason why you take the other one at one hundred and one. but that was a lot of, let's say comment sections in a lot of yes. different places. That was the response you would get
0: completely agree so for this week um deon jackson 31 percent of the snaps last week after jonathan taylor left he's going to be the passing down back zach moss who is way thicker uh and is going to be under contract i think for one more year for the colts he had 19.8 expected half PPR points last week obviously that was primarily with a lead i know they blew it at the end but they were really running the ball and a lot of those were in the red zone just because of some of those turnovers that the vikings kept having um He's just not very good. You know, it just, it is what it is. He can still luck box into some touchdowns here. So I do think that he is on the radar, especially when he only has had 20 expected half people. That's pretty nuts. I think that he might have like RB 14 usage, but be the RB 21 on the week this next week.
1: We talked about it on Ron last week on the Our Guys episode, which you can find every single Friday on the channel. Uh, He brought up Alec Pierce, which I kind of understood when you talked about the Vikings and them allowing explosive plays, but I don't think you can get a worse connection of a player and his skill set at wide receiver of Alec Pierce in terms of just a vertical big bodied guy who's athletic and Matt Ryan in his final form, which is right now, like his worst form, his decline form, because he's just not going to throw it on the field. And like Alec Pierce doesn't have much to his game other than again vertical shots at this moment. I think.
0: Yeah, I think he's got that skill set down. So I, I have long-term interest. Right, me right too. Now. Yeah, it's 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 I think it's over. He's like he's a wide receiver 74 in usage. said, uh, Michael Pittman. 11 expected happy over points with Saturday in Matt Ryan. He's currently the wide receiver 14 in usage. The problem, the wide receiver 29 in production. I think a lot of that falls back on to Matt Ryan just not being very efficient. I think he's a wide receiver three. He has passed upside, uh, especially if the Colts get boat race, which I think that they don't have enough talent, that they could lose some games by 20 points down the stretch here. Would not be surprised um, at all.
1: They play the Chargers this weekend. I think I saw a stat just flying by on Twitter that the Chargers' pass defense is like top three or top five in EPA over the last five weeks or so, three weeks yeah. or so, which is yeah. uh pretty crazy.
0: During James and all that, yeah. I, I wouldn't be buying into that. I didn't see that the Colts and the Chargers' point spread. I forget exactly what it was. It was very close, and I was very surprised by that. Hmm. All right, Jacksonville Jaguars up next. What a comeback by the man,
1: Trevor Lawrence. And when you have a number one wide receiver, you sign in for agency, all you have to do is just ditch the Visca Chenault and bring in Zay Jones and look at how good things are becoming. Um, I think maybe where to start, though, is the tight end position. You know, it was another week of Evan Ingram with not just like top 12 tight end usage, Hayden, but number one overall tight end usage. Yep. I think when I watched this game, what stood out to me was they've ditched running the ball for stretches of games, especially when, you know, in negative game script. And then these... Evan Ingram passes to, you know, the the flats and just beyond the line of scrimmage are like extended handoffs to them and almost screens where you get him going in motion and jet sweep action and all this type of stuff. And then it just gets him on the edge, either versus a safety or a linebacker. And then they're pitching it to him very quickly for yards after catch possibilities. And that's the volume that we crave at this position.
0: I'm looking at split Since week seven, that's when James Robinson was phased out. And I don't think that they view or should view Travis Etienne as this like like traditional running back. Um, And since week seven, the Jaguars are eighth in neutral pass rate. With that stretch, Evan Ingram's 10.3 half-fewer points on 8.6. Over the last month, he obviously went nuclear a couple weeks ago, but even like last week led the position and expected half-fewer points. He's somewhere close to top five tight end. I don't know if I have the the wait the as as in this next layer. No, no, like this next week in rankings. Like <laughs> okay, because I I actually would listen to an
1: argument that he has a top five tied in overall skill set, but I did, you weren't going well, there.
0: He has he has the potential to do that as a receiver, not as yeah. an all around guy. Um, but either way, Trevor Lawrence, when he's playing well, you can get upside. And right now, he's keeping Evan Ingram afloat, uh, Christian Kirk afloat. I by the way, Christian Kirk, one of the biggest positive regression candidates of the week and then zay jones your boy i'll give you your flowers real quick over the last month of the season when it matters most the wide receiver four on wide receiver nine usage um kirk and zay jones basically have the same amount of expected uh half ppr points since that split when james robinson left in week seven
1: that first chart that you showed Points out to me like the offense is totally in Trevor's hands now. Like it's no as longer it balance as yep. it should be, you know, especially with how he's playing right now. Because they did, even after trading James Robinson, they did have those reeks. Remember when we were like, well, Travis Etienne hasn't touched the ball more than 16 times in a single game. And then he had right. like 23 carries and 25 carries yeah. in each of the next two. That's not where they're having success right now. And I think Leighton Esch left the game for a bit for the Cowboys. Stinger. And right. And so when, because Micah Parsons, becoming more and more of an edge rusher when Leighton Vander Esch leaves the game the linebackers can get just get confused by a lot of misdirection and it felt like they kept running like meshes and again the motions and so on and so forth blockers moving running backs crossing the field so on and so forth Jamal Agnew getting involved too on on manufactured touches where the linebackers just were frozen you know yeah. and I just think that's really good stuff from Doug Peterson like really good stuff and with Trevor playing this well at this moment it's 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 fun to see
0: Really I, obviously, we should give most of the credit to Trevor Lawrence, but I do want to mention yeah, Doug Peterson. He's You can't stress how big of a win that hire is going to be. Uh, in the comments below, when you're using promo code the show for 2023 drafts, where will you be drafting Mr. Calvin Ridley? In my rankings, yeah. I had him around, around like 40th overall, wide receiver 17, somewhere in that range. If you go into drafts right now, that's about his price point. Um, I can see people say he's a second-run pick. I can see people Whoa. saying I'm not touching him till uh round 8. I think he's going to be one of the most discussed players. So leave a comment early on initial gut feel Calvin Ridley. So, just looking at this, I would probably
1: project him from where people will take him and maybe the the name that enters their brain is Michael Thomas uh because of potential but not injured. Not injured, but previously had awesome seasons, albeit in different skill sets too. And Michael Thomas who burned everyone this year. 58th overall. Which,
0: but but yeah. that is with Jameis Winston, Andy Dalton, instead of emerging Trevor Lawrence here. Oh, and you don't have to talk me into the Jaguars. And he's younger than Michael Thomas was. And Michael Thomas was two years removed, not like one and a half-ish. So I, th- I think 40th overall will start there. Let me know, though.
1: And listen, I don't have to talk anymore about Zay Jones the rest of the season, you know? But my promise to you, to you, is we will find the next Zay Jones this summer. You know? That round 17 or 18, who's the one you need the Millie maker out there because they save the day. All right. Fun with the Jaguars. Next up after that is the Kansas city chiefs. Oh, quickly on the Jaguars. Um, Kim Robinson now on injury reserve. I believe their left tackle. And then Walker little is going to step in there. Um, Walker little was supposed to be like the dude, the guy. So we'll see bunch of injuries at Stanford. I think Kansas city chiefs, so we talked about instant reactions. You know, Isaiah Pacheco actually got a lot of work. Jarek McKinnon, though, the last two weeks has really hit home. And I think there's a bunch of different factors to it. One, he is just better in the passing game, too, creating explosives there. But also there's like this trust factor, this trust element. And like at the end of the day, when the going gets tough, everything is can be funneled to Jerick McKinnon if they want to, despite him not having, you know, the on-contact success like Isaiah Pacheco does.
0: We're in that kind of Antonio Gibson, Miles Sanders range with Isaiah Pacheco, where he's one fumble away. He's had four of them last week. He got momentarily benched because of a fumble. He also got Patrick Mahomes murdered in pass protection. Not a good sign. Uh, Jericho McKinnon is running as pure as it gets. We cannot uh, expect that to continue, though he does have 13.3 half PPR points on 11.5. Expected half PPR points since the buy. I agree he has the most upside long-term, especially in NFL playoffs basketball, because if I... Is, if Pacheco fumbles it gets Mahomes killed again, or if Jerick McKinnon just keeps balling out specifically in the red zone, I think there's a chance that he runs away with this backfield. I think they'll have them pretty close to each other in rankings, probably McKinnon slightly higher, depending on the matchup. I haven't looked to see who even plays, uh, this week. And then last note, Juju Smith Schuster, um, Wide receiver 23 in usage. I think that's where he is. We'll see. McCole Hardman's expected back. Kadarius Tony played, but only a couple snaps. What does that mean for MVS? MVS's uh, totals and snap counts dropped down to 68% last week. There's a chance that even t- ticks down lower. He's just not been all that great this year. So it's Juju, Travis Kelsey, and then Jarek McKinnon. The Chiefs have a
1: lot to play for this season. One of the Super Bowl favorites out there. But I still have my eye on how they are once again going to shift the wide receiver position this summer. Because there's a lot of moving pieces there. You know, is this guy going to get more playing time? Is Kadarius Tony going to stay healthy and get more playing time? What are they going to do with Juju, who's on a one-year deal? MVS, who could be in a one-year deal? So on and so forth. So, again, they have so much to do in this next month and a half. But uh, this could be another interesting summer where it comes to the pieces around Patrick Mahomes. That also, you know, extends the running back position, too.
0: Yeah, they're going to be resetting basically their entire skill group again. Outside of? 37-year-old Travis Kelsey. Patrick Mahomes, MVP, locked it up basically with Jalen Hurts out, as he should be. He's by far the best quarterback in the league. I can't believe we even had to have these conversations. Quarterback four.
1: The biggest gift we said all summer, other than 17th round day, was Patrick Mahomes as quarterback four. This is the easiest smash of all time, and the easiest person to stack with his pieces, not named Travis Kelsey, even though that that, that didn't really work out exactly how we wanted to, other than the Jarek McKinnon stuff.
0: <laughs> well, the it wasn't even the quarterback four that was getting me pissed off. It, it was, was that for was, me. Well, it was to me. It was round five. Like yeah. whether you were taking like Herbert, Lamar, you know, they didn't work out. But like and Jalen Hurts, like on that, I was like, why are quarterbacks going so late? This is half right. PPR. And the thing is, we're not going to get this elite
1: section of quarterbacks. Think Allen, Mahomes, Burrow, and especially Jalen Hurts, cheap for the next three years in round two football. round three th- include justin fields in that get prepared so we should have done it last year you all should have we all did it because you watched the channel and uh now everyone's going to catch up to it so it's going to be another interesting dynamic when we go through strategy conversations las vegas raiders are up next um i just wanted to pinpoint this one snap on the touchdown of darren waller because i feel like they've been kind of missing this for all season, you know, like Foster Moreau has some talent and probably is a starter in the league at the tight end position, but it's been Devante Adams and whenever Mac Collins, you know, pops up for a play. But, you know, this is just 32 shading over to one side of the field for Devante Adams, basically double covering him despite it looking like single high here. And so all Darren Waller has to do is beat 21 and with him shaded over boom, it's just a touchdown. So I think this team was missing kind of this element all season, not to say that they would be that much better, but it's good to see Darren Waller pop up for a positive play.
0: The difference though, Darren Waller, only 29 of 44 routes. That's 4.7 expected half PR points. He got saved by that touchdown. It was a good route that defender had no chance with that. Um curious to see where Darren Waller ends up next year. Cause I do not think it'll be on the Raiders. Uh, Hunter Renfro um, only averaging 5.7 expected half PPR points this year. He's still not playing in two wide receiver sets. That's Matt Collins. So, um, yeah, Josh Jacobs, Devontae Adams, and then nobody else.
1: Los Angeles well, Chargers are next. Uh, we talked about Trevor Lawrence ascending and lifting everyone around him. Obviously, Justin Herbert has done that for large portions of this season. I would say things are more difficult for him because the offensive play caller is not Doug Peterson-esque.
0: Not even close. Um, Still very tilting um, with this. Austin Eckler had a shoulder injury, and that's why he kind of left for a little bit, did not have a great game, because while he was getting some uh, attention from the always elite chargers medical staff, Joshua Kelly, Vultures, a touchdown. Gerald Everett, his snap count come down uh, 28 of 47 routes last week. Donald Parham returned. I saw him running over. The middle of the field at one point in the game. And then yeah, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, those are the top two guys. uh Josh Palmer's his usage has obviously gone down with Mike Williams back. So um good to see Mike Williams look pretty healthy, maybe make a couple of little clutch uh catches the last couple weeks. We'll see what happens. LA Rams
1: after that again was driving during this. Uh, did see some early chunk gains by Cam Akers, what a winding story to bring that up again. That that has been this year. Uh, Baker Mayfield seemed to revert back to who Baker Mayfield has been, and there's just nothing to pull on and pick from, is there? Moving forward with this team,
0: I was watching the Peyton and Eli cast for Monday oh. Night Football, and they were they were kept saying that uh, uh, Sean McVay's adjustment with Baker Mayfield because he's still learning the playbook is to have like two guys in the routes and go to one to two, just because they've given up on the thought process that Baker Mayfield could go to his third and fourth read. Uh, they didn't say whether that's long-term or just because of the the playbook. Uh, but um, right now the ball has actually been going to two, two at well, he hasn't been doing all that much with it, but like the van Jefferson, he's full-time player, but wide receiver, not nice 69 uh, over the last month of the season. And yeah, like you said, I guess cam Akers the most viable fantasy asset out there, but 11.2 expected half PPR points in the last three games as the primary, um, if they go down like 14-0 in the right. first quarter, it's it's it'll be over for them, so well, it's not that great. And look, the, they're playing the Denver Broncos this weekend, and
1: I'm not saying the Broncos are a top-five defense in the league because of injuries that have hit them and you know bad offense they're associated with, but that defense versus what they're going to do with the Rams probably this week, no bueno.
0: What is that game total at? It's got to be like <laughs>
1: 34. I'll, I can pull it up for you if you want me to. Um, I also wanted to bring this up because you've – mentioned a possibility of some big departures for the Rams, especially considering they don't have their number five uh, yep. overall pick this season. Um, Peter Schrager on a podcast appearance, he went on uh, said, and by the way, schragg's has previously done a podcast in the off season with Sean McVay uh, was at Sean McVay's house in the last couple of weeks. And all McVay was talking about was we had to get this right. It might not take a year, it might take two years, but we have to get this right. So it sounds like he is much more invested in rebuilding the project than departing off into the sunset and riding the high of last year's Super Bowl.
0: Matthew Stafford went on his wife's podcast, I think today or <laughs> yesterday and said that he is coming back uh Serious, serious, very serious neck injury. I do not want to underestimate that. But I do think Stafford will be the starter. Baker Mayfield will be his backup and insurance. And potentially Sean McVay's long-term answer. They have to flush out this cap cap issue that they have and no draft picks. I think it's going to be a bumpy ride for the Rams. But I'd rather have Sean McVay and Matthew Stafford be a part of that, at least for next year.
1: 36.5 is the total in Denver and Los Angeles with the – Broncos as two-point favorites on the road. Um, okay. That is not the smallest total of the weekend. Do you know what the smallest hole of the weekend is? Is it like is it like
0: the Browns have like 32 and a half or something Dude. ridiculous?
1: Browns and Saints is 32. Browns favored by three. And I think it's because it's a 1 p.m. on Saturday and the weather is supposed to be yes. incredibly bad. Yes. Incredibly bad.
0: I'll, I'll have weather takes on Thursday wow. when the weather reports actually get a little stickier.
1: Big for you. Don't have the slate, but we're going to go next to the uh, Miami Dolphins. Um, Big performance for them. You know, we talked about instant reactions. Everyone watched it. It was a spotlight game. They got more and more of those short passes, especially to the right side. Um, They stopped running the RPO as much and more just design runs. And like the design runs were hitting really well. Now, is that translatable each and every week for a team that's kind of been up and down and more so down when, you know, Toron Armstead missed games, so on and so forth. But, Look, I understand panic at the disco for two straight weeks for Tua to Tungvalu when the offense doesn't hum like it has for the remainder of the rest of the season. But I'm I'm still really in on this being a really explosive offense, whether be damned at times, outdoor and being on the road at times. Um, I think that they are adjusting slowly but surely.
0: The Bills played um a lot of tight coverage like we've seen the last couple of weeks. And the Bills typically don't do that. Now they still were playing a lot of quarters and in cover two looks at times. Um, but they were getting in tight against Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill. There was a couple of adjustments, more like rub routes and getting Tyreek Hill in motion, which we've seen before, and there is no defending that. And Tyreek Hill still against like Press man coverage still scored a long touchdown uh, to a stat line got saved definitely by a, a miscommunication with that Jalen Waddle. Uh, the the Bills defense didn't know who was going to be carrying vertical. Um, and so Jalen Waddle, which for the record, I think that was the fastest a human has ever ran uh, in <laughs> sub uh, 32 degree weather in my life. Not even a bit. I do think that could be uh, the fastest ever. Uh, but yeah, I thought Tua played all right. I do think that defense is getting physical with them. Yeah. Continued last week. And I don't think that's going to uh, change. There will be big plays, but to uh, some of these throws where you just launching the ball into space when it's press man coverage, those got those windows become a little bit tighter. Does he have the arm strength to make it happen? I do think that this offense will have on off splits with these adjustments. Will they go from elite to terrible? Not even closest. It will still be big plays. Uh, because Tyreek and Jalen Waddle, but it was cool to see that the Bills still stuck with that game plan to some degree.
1: There's a few players, when you see them put their head down and just like run out, that you know they're gone. Uh, Over. Ted Ginn was like this, the man who was constantly disrespected, but as soon as Ted Ginn dropped his helmet and ran and sprinted, um, Steve Smith was like this too. And we've talked about a lot with Jalen Waddle his first few years because the quarterbacks he's been connected with, he, he's one of those players. And he had a lot of those plays at Alabama with wide open spaces, and it's great to see that he still has that in his bag for sure.
0: It's, it's weird because Jalen Waddle, he, when he's running full speed, he looks down. When Tyreek yes. Hill is running full speed, he's like looking like <laughs> yeah, fingers up. Like he's, ne- he's never down like this. He's always just like, what's well, good?
1: It is. That is funny. All right, Minnesota Vikings are up next. Uh, they are the focus of this week's scheme with Josh McCown, the engineering of the biggest comeback in NFL history. Uh, K.J. Osborne pops up for a huge game. Um, Is it a simpleton take to say that K.J. Osborne and T.J. Hawkinson both can't have a big game in the same week?
0: Yeah, I I think that uh, not six players are going to get home from the Vikings each week. (laughs) But
1: but when you score that many points in the second half and it's it's all funneled through K.J. Osborne, when T.J. Hawkinson does nothing, who has been a major focus of this offense for the past four or so weeks i do wonder if there's been some gravitational pull between the two and this allowed kg osborne to make some big plays
0: there has been some gravitational pull for adam phelan who's averaging 1.3 fewer expected half ppr points since the hawkinson trade what's interesting about tj hawkinson i think i think he's a good player but even with the vikings he's at 8.3 half ppr points on 11.3 expected half ppr points this is as a tertiary But maybe second option in the pass game. And he's still not like all that efficient. He's a very weird player because, like, he's clearly good, but how good is kind of the debate here. Um, Dalvin Cook was the one that really got home. Um, He was very due for like just a big, big game. Obviously, he had the complete nut outcome on how he got there uh, with that screen pass. But I'm not sure if I learned anything about KJ Osborne this week. When you are a full time player in a good offense, which the Vikings certainly are you are going to have a random big week or two throughout the season. Zay Jones, for example, has had a couple of them. I think that KJ Osborne has the possibility to score 20 points in any any given week just because I think the Vikings offense is still very good. Yeah. Do you know what's funny, though? Like when you watch teams across the league, you can
1: figure out who the Chiefs are. You can figure out what the Bengals are. You can figure that out with Miami and Detroit. And a lot of this is from even like the New York Giants. Like we know what type of offense they want to run. A lot of this comes down, you know, doing a show with, with josh i can't tell you like the foundational pieces of the minnesota vikings in a week out week in, week out basis of like their vision other than obviously having justin jefferson in their team but i the pulling the strings and like the scripting of the stuff and like what's working and what doesn't and like the same stuff you see every single week it's weird you know do you, do you get what i'm saying like the identity of them other than having you know an awesome wide
0: receiver well, good thing we have a quarterback who played for 14,000 different teams over 20 this years. The NFL is going to be doing a show with you.
1: This, this is true. All right. After the Minnesota Vikings, catch that one on Friday, by the way, and check out their other episodes of Scheme. New England Patriots. Speaking of offensive identities, it's more we offensive. Get, <laughs> we need to get Patricia watching Scheme. How about that? <laughs> yeah. What if next year I'm doing defensive breakdowns with Matt Patricia? <laughs> that would be the most boring
0: show that means yeah that means all, you got fired from time. underdog yeah you're working for some other organization <laughs> it's josh and joe and matt doing honestly a if, a trio if, if that's <laughs> what if that's what has to happen for uh the bills to move on i will take it sorry you, you you're gonna have to take a bullet but we can't watch this patriots uh offense anymore so oh my gosh um anyways I don't even
1: know if we got the Ramondre Stevenson stuff wrong heading into um, the the start-sit show, where it felt like early on they were kind of just even testing him, and he even Mike Correct. Reese went out there and said that he was going to be the passing down guy. And their offense sucks so much. They're like, well, I guess we got to give Ramondre Stevenson 19 carries.
0: Yeah, 66% snaps and 13.8 expected happy PPR points were lower than they otherwise would have been. They were trying to get some adjustments. Now, that 48-yard uh, run at the end where it went back to Jacoby Myers, that helped him out, and he did rip off a couple big plays. So I'll say I was partially wrong. He did better than I thought. I knew this was in the range of outcomes, but um, I was surprised to see him uh, even get to the 66% snaps. Um, yeah, the Mac Jones stuff, I mean, he's throwing the ball to to, to nobody, so I don't even know what we can do possibly talk about it just the debate if damian harris comes back next week what's the running back rotation going to be like at that point i think that'll be ramondre still in this kind of like bell cow ish role here um by the way damian harris free agent next year ramondre is back damian harris or uh ramondre i have in my top 24 rankings for next year yeah
1: i wonder if they just not shut damian harris down because they are still in the playoff hunt and he's you know seemingly a big part of that locker room but with an eye on next season and investing in both kevin harris and pierre strong just to get them you know more work despite not wanting to do that earlier in the season it's weird timing for damien and i actually think he would have done quite well this season not as good as last year but just being injured after you know being tired for the nfl lead and touch rushing touchdowns last season and now going into free agency like this but that's the life of a running back you know
0: Patriots need literally to reset their entire offense. But I, Mac Jones, he's cheap, he's cheap. S- to stick with Mac Jones for one more year. You've got to restart everything on offense, including uh offensive coordinator. You're doing that show with Patricia next year. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I'm not doing that show with Matt Patricia next year. But how many of these teams are we saying, like, hey, they need to reboot their wide receiver room? Okay. Mm-hmm. New England is one of those. Chicago is potentially one of those. The New York Giants are one of those. Um, I could keep going on and on down this list. Like there's a lot of teams that need a total refresh at the wide receiver position that I, it makes me nervous that they're not going to be able to uh, compete with everyone else to do it.
0: Remember those last 15 seconds. When we get to NFL draft player props, Baltimore
1: Ravens change up that wide receiver room. Interesting. Mm -hmm. All right. After the new England Patriots, it is the new Orleans saints. So there's been some like weird Chris Olave usage, and I haven't had time to dive into it lately. Really good player, outstanding rookie season, but hasn't been a full-time player as of late. And I don't know if it's because they're getting and featuring some other players, and we know that they love to use the wrinkles of Taysom Hill and the other tight ends they have, too.
0: Yeah, it's nuts, because 27-55 to 55 snaps last week. I know that oh. they were leading, but that seems still weirdly low. Raheem Shaheed, I, I believe, ran more routes than, than him, so... Yeah, I guess it's like a size thing, and they want to run the ball, and they've got freaking six linemen and three tight ends and all that stuff. But let's get Chris Olave back on the field. The other thing to note here, Alvin Kamara, that's six straight games with under 12.5 expected half PPR points. Even with Mark Ingram out last week, he only played 62% of the snaps, and it's not the snaps that you'd like or the ones that we're used to. He's the early down guy. David Johnson yes that David Johnson yes is the passing down guy you would like to see those inverse I don't like 20 carries from Alvin Kamara at the 44 yard line uh that doesn't really get you all that much um with the how the offense is being called right now so really kind of just desperate for any production here and the guy that's actually been producing the most is Jawan freaking Johnson uh but I mean he's just running hot on touchdowns it's not sticky obviously
1: he is being sl- like split out into the slot and being used, and even out wide here. Four catches, 67 yards, two touchdowns. He has popped up randomly this season at times. Yes. I even know Nick Underhill was tweeting during training camp and preseason, like, hey, this is the guy to watch. Uh, this is an interesting team that has used players like this in the past, Marquez Colston esque. Um, not saying, you know, that carries over from regime to regime, but tied in he's eligible there. Like in games where Andy Dalton is kept clean again, he's been doing fine this season, like heavily criticized in Ireland games when he's getting pummeled, totally fine. And he's not going to be the guy probably next year for them, but with the saints and Jawan Johnson popping up here, I'm not saying that there is something, but he he's a name that obviously has done stuff this season. And Cleveland Browns are up next again in awful weather, but a Browns defense that's been uh, chaotic at times this season
0: too. I wonder if Chris Olave is not playing because they're viewing Juwan Johnson as a wide receiver in some of these Interesting. formations. Remember, Juwan Johnson was a highly recruited wide receiver, Oregon or uh, I think Penn State and Oregon. He was actually listed as a wide receiver initially with the saints. So he is in that hybrid role that the saints always love. I do wonder if some of these formations where it's listed as 12 personnel, they're actually viewing him as a wide receiver. As you just mentioned, that maybe is the reason why Chris, Chris Olave is not playing as many snaps. What, what the hell is going on?
1: Arguably the best rookie wide receiver in the league. Uh, They have two of the top, what four yards per route, run wide receivers, rookies in the league at the moment with him and Rashid Shahid. Uh, Shahid's going to be a popular name in 16, 17, 18th round as a Spike Week player, I bet.
0: Marquez, call call away again.
1: No, we already talked through it. It's Devery Henderson. Devery Henderson reincarnated. New York Giants, there's not much to say here. Obviously, they won against the Washington Commanders. Uh, Some debatable situations in that game. Um, The Giants are one of these teams that needs a huge reset. But what I liked was, again, Saquon showing off despite you know just long gains of nine yards in the passing game 15 yards in the rushing game we saw some of those you know pogo six movements that we'd love to see from Saquon.
0: yeah i think he looks fine nothing too crazy i don't think he's th- as good as he was as a, like a rookie because of some of these injuries but he's still very good he's averaging 16 half ppr points on the season Uh offensive line is getting healthier evan neal's been up and down this year uh as kind of expected yeah this is a team like you said they're gonna be looking for wide receivers right now all of their wide receivers outside the top 50 and expected half ppr points over the last month richie james in the slot isaiah hodgins darius slayton on the outside um and then daniel bellinger 34 of 35 week 15 routes that's better than you can say about it basically anybody else the problem is he's not doing anything with them do they only need to win like one more game yeah, they're, they're like in? 75% chance to make the playoffs. So yes, uh, Vikings,
1: the Colts, and the Eagles are the rollout for and the, they get the Eagles in the final week of the season. So
0: yeah, and you you made that comment about the, the refs and if the Giants had have like won last week. Do, am I supposed to feel bad about this commander's franchise? Because I don't Oh, know. interesting. We'll get to that when we get there. New York Jets up
1: next. Um Zach Wilson's already been named the starter here for Thursday night football against Trevor Lawrence. That's number one pick versus the number two pick intriguing stuff. Not that like the Jaguars defense has been great, although they've been explosive in moments. Um, What I keep seeing with Zach Wilson and Robert Sala alluded to this, how he was quote unquote on fire in the first half. Like sure. He had some of those, let's even call them patented rollouts and then firing down the field. Like he had at BYU. I've seen from jets fans like, Hey, Mike LaFleur needs to call a playbook where it's just rollouts from Zach Wilson and get him on the move and allow him to throw. You can't roll a quarterback out of the pocket 36 times every single week. It's just not how the position. So you can do it and pick your spots here and there, but no matter what, no matter what style of quarterback you are, you have to win in a confined and condensed and closing pocket in those pivotal situations and take big hits. Mike white took those big hits on third and medium, third and long, fourth downs and Zach Wilson is just terrified to take those hits right now. And so even if you do call a great game where you play to the strengths of of your wide receivers, which also condenses to that side of the field too, I you can't make a full offense around the strengths, quote unquote, of Zach Wilson right now.
0: Yeah, I agree that his first half was pretty good the problem is in the second half it was a complete meltdown and the arm talent is there like it's it's been no question about that he made a couple of throws that were really on the money this week um but his pocket play is just not very good like you said and five bad plays just counteracts all the good plays that Correct. you have and that's really just been the difference here um i thought gary wilson elijah Moore, kind of had to up and down games themselves but uh there was a lot of times where like Zach Wilson's eyes were just not getting all the way to the backside or any of that. And then there was one play that, that it did and then he sailed the ball. So yeah, this, I thought he, I thought he had a okay game, but it's still the same exact flaws that you're used to. And yeah, you can't, not everything could be play action bootleg. And by the way, I thought that they did get him on the move quite a bit here in this game anyway. So a couple of nice throws going into halftime. I agree with that, but uh, two backbreaking plays in the second half now is ultimately the difference. So I'm um, very curious to see what they're going to do after this week, because Mike white is expected to be healthy, not this week, but the week after. And then what are they going to do with that? If he doesn't play well this next game, they lose to the Jaguars. I think his jets uh, career is over and they'll be moving on. So we'll see Zonovan Knight again, left. It felt like for an
1: entire quarter, I would still expect him to be the lead ball carrier, uh, against the Jaguars on Thursday. Again, a rocky defense so far this season who has some high moments, who has some low moments as well. Um, I think that's the type of player, and I understand that we're talking about best ball and we're talking about semifinals, so on and so forth. But I feel like that's the type of player who we all get excited for in what, week 15, fail to reach expectations. We kind of forget about him heading into week 16.
0: His problem only eight of 41 routes last yeah, week. That's so. true. I just don't see how he's going to get there. He's RB 27 in usage. I think that's about where he belongs, especially with Zach Wilson. Um, Garrett Wilson had 12.5 expected happy points last week, uh, which is actually better than it usually is with Zach Wilson, but he was like at 17 with the other guys. So I think there's a notable difference and we'll see what happens with Corey Davis uh, missed last week of the c- concussion protocol. Um We'll I am way
1: more intrigued of the Trevor versus the Jets defense matchup than I am for obviously Zach versus the Jaguars defense. All right, after the Jets, we go down to the Philadelphia Eagles, a team that like may or may not have a quarterback change. Lots of like mentions and no reports, although both Adam Schefter and I think Mike garofolo despite Jalen popping up on. Press conferences today, reinserted that, hey, it's unlikely for him to play this weekend. What's your read on the situation right now? It sounds like Gar- Gardner Minshew is going to be the starting quarterback here. Yeah, I
0: don't think Jalen Hurts is going to play. First off, they have like 99% odds of clinching the first round bye If they win any of their next three games or if the 49ers, Cowboys, and Vikings each lose at least one game down the stretch, they'll clinch the first round by, and that's all that they need. I don't think they're going to rush him back this week. Uh, the betting markets have already said that Gardner-Minch is going to be quarterbacking. The Cowboys are now massive favorites over the Eagles. So I would have backup plans for for Jalen yep. Hurts uh, this week. Shitty time for this to happen. <laughs> Considering I, I don't have the exact numbers on this, I think his like 50% of teams, maybe even higher than that, uh, in the next round of Best Ball Mania 3 will have him. And I, I know a lot of you out there probably had bye weeks this last week and returning to your fantasy playoffs without him. Very tough scenes. We're going to all have who you should be streaming uh, tonight based off of like Vegas lines and all that stuff. Too early for me in, in the week to to know that specifically, but there will be trickle-down effects with A.J. Brown, Devonta Smith, especially with Dallas Goddard coming back. We're going to be dealing with Dallas Goddard splits and Jalen Hurts splits. And the other split to know is if in the fourth quarter, are they going to start pulling these players because right. they have relatively nothing to play for? A lot of downside risk with all these players, but A.J. Brown's been too good to bench tough spot
1: now we talked about this before the show started a lot on instant reactions we spoke about how aj brown has transformers game who's always been good but these vertical shots on the field obviously devante smiths had multiple of those we can even look at the commanders game was winning them in t- contested situations jalen hurts was hitting those again because of the safety rotation down into the box to take away his running and miles sanders running so it leaves you single high and as soon as he shades to one side hitting at the other side to these alphas that i have on on either section of the field
0: and that's an easy read for him correct first, first of all jalen hurts accuracy on these balls i've been very good kind of reminds yes. me of like russell wilson he's like getting to that lots of air under it but those are very easy reads when it's just single high hold your eyes and then throw the deep ball over there Gardner Minshew doesn't have that luxury because he's not drawing as much attention in the box
1: that's exactly what i was going to say is i bet we see more coverage shells to prevent those types of looks for Gardner Minshew because the lack of the running threat, isn't going to pull an extra man into the box mm-hmm. to account for the quarterback. So I would But at the same time, like when you go back and look at Gardner Minshew when he started a lot during his rookie year for the Jacksonville Jaguars, he was running so hot on 20-plus yard completions. It was Sanity. Yeah, it it was 95 PFF rating in that area of the field. I just don't expect that to continue and and to repeat itself here. So I, I would expect shorter receptions, and maybe when Dallas Goddard comes back, we immediately get back to him with five or six or seven receptions too.
0: Yeah, Miles Sanders, really bad run out, Uh, a very bad call by me. The Eagles passed a lot against the Bears, which we talked about um, earlier in the show. Uh, He did promise that Miles Sanders should get the ball more often. They went Mm. away with that. Um, And maybe he gets more goal line opportunities because Jalen Hurts is not going to be sealing those uh, anymore. So I think Miles Sanders is still going to be an RB2 for me. Very inconsistent player, always has been, especially with the offense going back and forth. And I think that we'll see probably a more balanced attack in general, uh, like more traditional run concept to mile Sanders.
1: Small thing for a team that's changed their offensive stylings maybe more than anyone else this season. This is another one that they get to do and have to do. So, yeah, good on you, Nick Sirianni, for uh, being able to do it. Finally, Javon Hargrave, I think, has like 11 sacks in the season now, which is absurd for a defensive tackle. Shout out my guy from South Carolina State, freaking baller at the Shrine Game that year. Then we got him a call up to the Senior Bowl, one of my favorite prospects to watch of all time coming out of SC state Philadelphia Eagles are done. Pittsburgh Steelers are up next. Um, it was the Mitch show. They took an early lead. Deontay Johnson is on path to being the least efficient wide receiver season of all time. Basically weird. in terms of scoring touchdowns.
0: Very weird. Um, we get Kenny Pickett back this week. He cleared concussion yep. protocol. Um, You're jazzed. Yeah, I mean, this is it is what it is. I think that the major note here is Pat Firemuth, 38 of 63 snaps last week. He's been dealing with an injury. His usage has dropped tremendously. Same with his production over the last month of the season. He dropped down to tight end 12. Terrible timing. I'm not sure if that foot injury is all of a sudden just going to get better for him. We'll pay attention to the practice reports to kind of make that decision. But I think he's definitely more of the boom-bust tight end 1-2 rather than I think there's a stretch of the season where I was very comfortable as the top 10 tight end and then there'll be trickle downs from that with Deontay and George Pickens it's just not a fun offense I'm just hoping that they get Kenny Pickett a little more comfortable going into next year
1: after the Pittsburgh Steelers it's time for the San Francisco 49ers so some really interesting usage notes for George Kittle in comparison to the amount of fancy points he's put up through recent weeks Hayden talk us through them
0: yeah, like last week, uh, I think it was like 23.3 actual half PPR points, but he had only 6.3 expected. Um, since the Christian McCaffrey trade, George Kittle, 5.7 expected half PPR points. That makes him the tight end like 19. The problem is you can take it to the bank that George Kittle is going to dunk on my model, no question. So what do you do? I think it's a boom bust tight end one, which is kind of a, a weird like thing to say, but I do think that's where we're at with this. Uh, Debo Samuel didn't play. He's not going to play this week. Brandon Ayuk um, with... Uh, the new quarterback only three point eight and five point one expected happy points. It stinks. He's only has seven point nine since the Christian McCaffrey trade. I do think that will that will even out. I do think that he can have a big play. So he's, I think he's still a wide receiver three. Uh, but I think there was a a part of me that wanted to call him like a wide receiver two with Debo out of the way. I just yeah. am not sure if we're gonna fully get that because this team really wants to establish it with CMC.
1: So you put out a tweet
0: saying of this past
1: week like the tight ends that had the kind of the same usage as um, George Kittle. I'm trying to find it right now. Oh, here okay. it is. Here it is. Here it is. Cool. Because Evan Ingram was all the way up there at 12.2. But then you had names like Eric Tomlinson at 6.4. Noah Fant at 8.1. We talked about Jawan Johnson at 9.8. And Kittle's all the way down, I think, at like probably 11 with 6.3, despite, again, having 23.3 half PPR points. You, you said this, but I just want to reiterate, that I think this is why we can't just take, and I'm not saying you're you're saying this, but half-point yep. PPR and just projected points, and it equals the same thing for every single team. Because the 49ers are different, right? They're different because of Kyle Shanahan, they're different now without Debo Samuel, they're different with this quarterback, and more importantly than anything, man, they're different because of the weight and the gravity, as I've talked about since CMC came in that first game against the Rams they're different with Chris McCaffrey being there because he really does pull so many eyeballs. Now, this isn't exactly the right play to show it, but just in terms of the misdirection, that this play was schemed up for George Kittle on a middle screen. You know, This was nasty. This was so nasty of, hey, we get Ray-Ray McLeod to the left. We get Chris McCaffrey to the right. Look at the spacing that it creates just for an easy run-after-catch touchdown for George Kittle, which I also think plays a part in – extrapolating the half PPR stuff. Cause he's a freak athlete after the catch too, and can create big plays like other Titans can't at the position.
0: Just in case you're new here, my expected half PPR model, how I view it is what would the average player in an average offense score with his usage? George Kittle is neither an average player. He's one of the best tight ends in the league. And this 49ers offense is not even close to an average offense either. So we should expect that these players will overperform my model Right. Just always remember average player, average offense. That's what my pro- projection is saying. If we know for a fact one of these players is well above it or way below it, we make our expectations change from there. George Kittle will be a tight end one on tight end two usage for the rest of the time.
1: Love that. Tampa Bay Buccaneers are next. Hate that. Uh, <laughs> honestly, and this is going to sound weird. The first half against the Cincinnati Bengals was one of the best halves. We've seen Tom Brady in this past group play. And yes. then as soon as the Bengals made an adjustment, they could not adjust anything. So we talked so much this season about counter punches and evolving and so on and so forth. And the Bucks immediately just went back to that sloppy, bad, sad football, you know, and they even turned the football over more than they were expecting to. So I, I wonder if we've already seen the peak of it from this past weekend for the rest of the season, to be honest with you.
0: Yeah, um, they the coaching staff said that it's on the players and that Tom Brady was taking more <laughs> of a thing. Well, that, that was that was going into this last week, and then they had okay. a great first half. Um, what the problem is is that they're just not very good right now. Chris Godwin's a shell of himself. Mike Evans is a shell of himself right now. Tom, Brady's a, Sam, Tom Brady, same thing. Uh, Rashad White, Leonard Fournette, by the way, in their last four healthy games together, each 11.9 expected half-peer points, exactly the same. Uh, so it's hard to get excited about that. I did make Mike Evans my cover image on um, the fantasy usage model just because he's such a massive positive regression candidate and he's had so many long touchdowns called back that you just hope that the gods out there um, in fantasy circles want to at least get you from eighth place in your league to, to sixth place in your league with a long touchdown. They are due and there's a chance that the Bucks improve a little bit. Um, But if Chris Godwin and Mike Evans are going to be literally below average players this year, it's hard to see where this offense goes to.
1: I think Diamond Smith left for a period of time in this game too. So uh, it just makes things even worse for them. All right. Three more teams. Oh, we skipped Seattle Seahawks. That's my bad. So two more teams. Um, Over to Seattle. I don't think Kenneth Walker practiced today, which isn't like that shocking when it's coming off playing after an ankle sprain, I'll be at a different ankle sprain and it's only Tuesday practices and it's probably a rest day, so on and so forth. I would expect Kenneth Walker to play this weekend. Just I want Seattle to make the playoffs, man. I want them to do it. And they were able to crawl out of making mistakes from Gino at points in other games. And then they haven't been able to do it these last couple of weeks. And so I don't know if Gino's going to be able to not, have those mistakes early on in order for them to win these games. If that convoluted conversation just made sense,
0: uh, it didn't, but I'll try to make the best of it. Uh, Ken Walker 48 of 64 snaps in week 15. I think that he will be fine, probably just a little bit of maintenance with him. Uh, he's due for a big game, I don't think anything about his game has changed. Uh, so Ken Walker, I think, will be on the uh, RB12 borderline in my rankings. Um, no Tyler Lockett, what does that mean for the rest of the offense? It's hard to tell. Uh, though DK Metcalf is top 12 in both production and usage over the last month, Marquise Goodwin is going to be in two wide receiver sets. He has some big play potentials. Oh, yeah, years, that's my really, guy. Yeah, there was a one point where we went a week with uh Marquise Goodwin uh, on the show. I do think in a really deep league, if you're desperate, he can get there. And then well, with, with just with Geno Smith, I think like. He's made a couple of bad decisions, but he's been dropping back so many times that it's inevitable that this stuff will happen. He's still super aggressive downfield where he throws the ball is very good for fantasy production. So, um I don't even know who they're playing this next week, but I think that Geno Smith is clearly good enough to get DK Metcalf as a wide receiver one.
1: You're going to enjoy who they're playing this week. It's the Kansas City Chiefs.
0: Firework show. Perfect. 40,
1: 48 and a half total, which is massive for week 16 fantasy football. Um Yeah. When DK, it looked like he's going to miss like a month and only missed a quarter. (laughs) Uh, Marquise Goodwin stepped up. And in terms of role players across the league on one year deals, Marquise Goodwin is one of the best among like Jarek McKinnon and the other names you can throw out there because his athleticism and speed perfectly match like what they're missing with Tyler Lockett. Not saying he's as good as Tyler Lockett or tracks the ball as well, but it meshes with Geno Smith and he pops up for these big plays. So I think Marquis Goodwin can fill in there as a flex spot immediately.
0: I will not rank him high, but I'm just random call sleeper of the week, Noah like that. Fant. Uh, oh, I thought you were talking about Noah Brown. No, or, excuse me. Uh, switch it up. Marquise Goodwin. No sleeper <laughs> of the week, no, uh, Noah Fant. Just this would be the week where if you have that crazy freak athlete to take advantage in, in garbage time against the Chiefs in a must win game. Why not throw the ball to Noah Fan down the line? He'll still be a tight end two in my rankings, but I'll move him up a little bit higher than I otherwise would have.
1: Noah Fan's an interesting one because he was an incredible athlete coming into the league from Iowa, same year as TJ Hawkinson. Tested extraordinarily well. Yet, when I watch him, I don't know if he's added weight or something, but he's really straight line, and there's nothing really beyond that. Do you know what I mean? Like He he hasn't, I think, maximized on the athleticism that we were hoping for.
0: Well, it it's hard to get him on the field when you have elite player Will Disley and Colby Parkinson uh also getting snapped. So I, I'm just wondering if they like just split out Noah fans say, all right pretend you're a wide receiver for a couple more reps than you otherwise would just because they're trying to look for some playmakers. And they're they're desperate. They're still in the playoff mix. Correct. It hasn't gone right for them recently because it and the defense has been, I mean, non-existent. So that yeah. plays into any of these guys problems. And now you get Patrick Mahomes. Uh I am either going
1: to love hate loathe whatever word you want to use the Kenneth Walker discourse this summer because it is going to be two drastic different camps and it's very easy to see which one I'll be on that he's a good player and you should draft him basically is second round (laughs) Tennessee Titans they play the Houston Texans this weekend 37 total in this game Ryan Tannehill left he came back I mean, Derrick Henry, during his history with the Houston Texans, it's always like 27 to 32 carries for 200 and something yards. I'm surprised that the over-under isn't just 37 fancy points for, for Derrick Henry this week, and that's what they're alluding to here.
0: Um, we'll see if Ryan Tannehill plays. The Titans are in a spot where the Jaguars, if the Jaguars beat the Titans, I think they played each other in week 18. Then they become the favorites, like in playoff odds to to win the division. So they're the Titans have everything to to play for. But Tannehill did re-aggravate that injury. Traylon Burks, I'm guessing, will be back just based off the of, uh, typical uh, timelines. Um, so I think this is a, unfortunately a team that we're gonna have to just get to later on in the week. And obviously, you can find your favorite Derrick Henry splits. They're all insane. I mean, against it's the just Texans. nuts of stuff. Okay, we'll close that with the Washington Commanders. Just quickly
1: on the Terry McLaurin moment at the end um you know Dean Blandino's done a video on this saying it was ridiculous that the ref immediately pulled his flag you know Nate Tice has talked about this too on the athletic football show just to repeat why it was such a ridiculous foul is because it is literally the side judge's job to when asked tell the wide receiver who tells him hey man I'm supposed to be on and he goes all right move up Terry it twice Twice in order to be on the line of scrimmage. And it's obviously such an innocuous foul, if it is, and he wasn't, you know, perfectly aligned, that it shouldn't have been thrown anyways because the play was going in the opposite direction. Like, those types of perfectly aligned snaps are so few and far between, and flags like that are so overlooked every single week and non-penalties, that it's just amazing in that moment it was thrown and that's not even coupled with the Curtis Samuel interference at the end. So,
0: yeah, I mean, if you like look at like where offensive tackles are split out, sometimes it's, it's like ups, everything's absurd. Their helmet is supposed to be in the waist of the center, and yeah, at times
1: they're goals. like three yards behind them. So, like, yeah. it's a flag that should not have been thrown.
0: Especially like Terry McLaurin, who like is just like the nicest of dudes. I'm sure has a great relationship with the ref and was doing this all game. So, it, it, I'm with you. It didn't make any sense for them to do it.
1: Anything you want to say about Washington on the field? With the Brian Robinson, Antonio Gibson. They were obviously working yeah. a lot of negative game script in this game.
0: Yeah, each of them 10.8 expected happy bear points since Brian Robinson was the lead back. So B Rob has been scoring the touchdowns. Antonio Gibson hasn't done all that much with his usage, but there's similar-ish players, um, at least with their usage. Taylor Heineke, uh, there was a quote after the game that like the Heineke is a starter, but it didn't seem like he was locked in for the rest of the season. The commanders need to win some ball games to get. Back into the playoff spot, um, Jahan Dotson has been very good. I thought as a rookie, nine half PPR points on seven and a half expected half PPR points. Obviously, a lot of that is touchdown related, and that's not sustainable. Uh, like he's the wide receiver forty-seven in usage, but he's a very good player. I think they're gonna have to make a, a pretty hard decision if they want Curtis Samuel back on the he's roster next year too. Um, Yo, let's get Curtis to be the alpha on one of these teams that we're
1: talking about.
0: You know. Yeah, I think I think that he's like a cut candidate. I think it's just like up to the Commanders and what the hell the Commanders are going to do at quarterback. Uh, right. In my uh, crazy little column, Underdog Network, do you do you remember who I had for the Commanders quarterback? Uh, no, Jacoby Brissett. Oh, I don't know if that's a Scott Turner guy. Bet on himself that he's just looking for a starting spot. Heineke versus uh, Jacoby Brissett. I'll probably I just feel great about that one. But I, I wanted to give Brissett a starting job at least get yeah. him somewhere to compete with. I and hear uh, you.
1: The the weird thing of Jahan Dotson, this is the first game of over 59 yards he's had this season. Now, it's tough to get there, you know, when you have receiving totals in games of four, five, three, four, so on and so forth. But for like a 5'10, 5'11, 182 pound wide receiver, he plays bigger than a lot of 6'1, 6'2 guys, which is exactly what he was at Penn State. With a quarterback who was off target and inaccurate, and now he's had that in the NFL as well. So, I, I'm Jahan Dotson has definitely something to him, and I feel like we only got minor glimpses of it during his rookie season because of the trio at wide receiver and obviously injuries too.
0: Yeah, it's gonna be an interesting team because like, can they attract a quarterback to come there? They're, they they won too many games to get one of the elite guys. Sell the team. Sell the team. Because the, the skill guys, I would be kind of intrigued with. And I, I do like um, O.C., But we'll see. We'll see if, even if all of them return. That We'll see what's going to happen with the commanders. But I'd like to see a good quarterback there because I like McLaurin and Jahan. All
1: right. We'll be back here on Thursday with Hayden Rankings. He'll be doing it from a cabin in the middle of nowhere. Um, all of you in the meantime and after that, enjoy your holidays. Whatever you celebrate, I hope it is wonderful. Um, be sure to see that like button down there. Hit it. Subscribe button. Hit it. Copy the link, the share button to your group chat. Do it. Best ball, battle royales, and playoff best ball. Play them. Do that in your downtime this week while like sitting on the couch and waiting for things to happen.
0: I'm and here. Josh Norris's Venmo is <laughs> <laughs> look,
1: all I'm saying. The dude who already won $1 million this year, Zay was on the roster. Advance rates probably for Zay Jones in the next round. What would you guess? We don't have this number yet. The the mathematician you are. What would you expect the Zay Jones advance rates to be?
0: Um, Let me see what he was coming into this. He had an advance rate of 24%. He had a huge game. I think he'll be on like 35% of teams still in it. Okay. What about
1: the teams that had Zay Jones on the roster? What oh, that would What percentage do high. you think that they they advanced? That would have been high. Like What, like 81%? Yeah,
0: it would be above 50 because Trevor Lawrence also balled out too. In a week where the top quarterbacks didn't really separate, Jalen Hurts was very good, obviously.
1: Love that. All right. We'll see you on Thursday and then more shows this week as well. Thanks, Dave, Victor, Monty, Shiden, Greg, and Dana as well. Up the Vela. We'll talk to you all soon. See ya.